Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. To the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic lads are pontificating on Vince McMahon's peculiar push preferences, like Barons and Briefcase brandishing Brocks, we are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean looking at the legacy of lethargy left by Lex Luger and Co. in the early 90s on WWF Raw. And who be we? I be fake Geordie Tom Campbell, along with the bear in the big blue bar cage, head pen of Cultaholic. Doesn't need a pencil, because he gets it right every time. In fact, he treats the offer of a pencil a bit like a Baron Corbin main event push, with contempt, confusion, and mild arousal. From off of America, it's <laughs> Justin Henry! Only mild arousal? <laughs> I didn't want to overstate your arousal for Baron Corbin. It's more of a rage boner at this point. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Justin? I am doing quite well. And how about yourself there, Tommy? I'm, I'm, well, I'm doing all right. The, the problem is put a bit of weight on in the last in the last 24, 48 hours, which I'm not very happy about. Oh, right. Well, what do you mean you're not happy about it? Well, tell a lie. I'm ecstatic about it. Can you hear that? If that happens during the show, I do apologize. That's it's just the sound of me just tapping on my new Cultaholic Championship that I found. Slash one. Sorry, Adam. It's with the B team now. Oh, mate. You and I, I'm, what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking, since I'm now, now the holder of this bad boy, what I'm thinking, I'm going to get a second one done. We'll be tag champions. I am down with that. Oh, hey, you know, we actually could be like Lay Cool. <laughs> yes, as long as I can be Layla, because she's the British one. Oh, Shall I cut this in Michelle half? McCall. Let's see, now the, the, problem, the problem is that is, you know, Layla's the pretty one of the two. <laughs> They're both pretty. So but I'm the pretty one of us, so. I'm trying to cut it in half. No, okay, I'm going to um, get I, me drill in a minute. You have hedge trimmers? Yes, well, they do. Yeah, I'll get. I'm them. not sure because I'm not sure metal can penetrate metal. If, if I recall a seventh grade science class, to the best of my ability. But 
You might need something a little bit more substantial than that. I'll give it a go, and I'll post you your bit in a bit. Let's go back Sweet. to Monday Night Raw from the... from Well, no longer from 1993. We're done with 93. We've put that in the blocker, shut the locker, and we've moved on with our lives. Happy New Year. When and where are we, Justin Henry? Well, you see, Tommy, that would be a lie. <gasps> because although we are watching this episode for the first time on January 3rd, 1994... It was actually taped on December 13th of 1993. Oh, for goodness sake. Are we still in this weird time hop with, with WWF but, Raw recordings? But it is the last one. Because okay. next week we are live with, with the Raw one-year anniversary show. Oh, a live Raw, you say? I know. I know they're so novel. They are. And a so, little bit in this day and age. It's a bigger Holy Grail than a Tom McGee match. <laughs> so, okay, so we know we're in December, but in the in the in the true timeline of the timeline that we are revisiting. Oh God, I've got a headache. Where, where, and when are we this week, Justin Henry? Well, the show did air January third of ninety four, so it is airing in the new year, and it is still in Poughkeepsie, New York. Although next week's show airs in an entirely new state, so we're all hit. I believe. Have they been in Pennsylvania yet? I can't remember now. If, if, if they have been, this will be the fourth new state next week. Ooh. Or, or, possibly, or possibly the third. I can't quite remember. I'll, I'll do some research on that. But we are into the new year. And to quote Randy Savage from the 1993 year in review, WWF VHS, 1994, we can expect so much more. I don't know what that means. He didn't say the last bit. He certainly said the first bit. Did he add a giant raise and I bring my Slim Jim sponsorship down to Atlanta with me and I <laughs> No, but at the end of the tape, a Slim Jim did a Slim Jim van did pull up outside with money flowing out of the windows. <laughs> Four guys walking into the room carrying a check. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's got money good on subtleties. <laughs> <laughs> so we be- we begin this year with death. Yay! <laughs> yes. We revisit Undertaker's Santa's workshop slash fifth grade shop class. As, I, I, as love, I love of... anything that is filmed in the Undertaker's shop. <laughs> he is blacksmithing at this point <laughs> while Paul Bearer, Paul Bearer orgasmically talks about New Year's and reflection. Tigger's just hammering, what do you even call that, a glowing hot metal piece that he's well, hammering it was, down. It was an anvil, wasn't it? Well, it's an anvil, but he's, he's holding it like some sort of metal rod pole thing on over top of it. Like, that, that's what he's malleting into. I'm assuming it's something that he is malabiizing for the double wide, double deep caskets. <laughs> I'll admit, I'm no... I'm no construction guy, but I, I guess it's some sort of metal framing for the uh, for SD double wide, double deep casket for Yokozuna. And Bear gets orgasmic about the future, as bears want to do. Tigger's New Year's resolution is to kill Yokozuna. <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's also the same resolution that he had last year, because he's been saying this for a year. He said this year's New Year's resolution is for Yokozuna to rest in peace. You can't carry on. My New Year's resolution is to do what I was said I was going to do last year. 
That's that's what? a rubbish resolution. Well, everybody says that I'm gonna lose weight next year. I'm gonna lose weight. You know that is how it works. <laughs> is must, that what it is? I'm still gonna kill Yokozuna. Kill, must kill Yoko. We <laughs> must kill Yoko. We. That episode of The Simpsons was on yesterday, which is why it's so fresh in my mind. Undertaker, John. We need Undertaker riding a book cart, a, a, book, a bookcase down the street, a la Homer Simpson. Homer's sheer joy when he realizes that Hail to the Chimp is playing. Makes me laugh every time. The episode is called Dumbbell Indemnity, if you ever want to watch it. It's from 1998, where Homer has to help, help Mo commit fraud. That's it is great, wonderful. It's a great ep- it was a great episode. Must kill Mo. Mm. Wee! <laughs> I miss when Simpsons was good. Do you realise that Simpsons has been bad longer than it's been good now? That is true. That's sad, isn't it? If you had to pick a year off the top of your head that it started being truly bad, what would you say? 1997. Really? That early? <sighs> maybe, hmm. maybe 98. Maybe 98 then. <laughs> I'd go maybe 2000-ish. It's it's about there, but yes, the point is made. It was it was brilliant for ten years, and it's been it was mediocre for another ten, and then it's been garbage for ten since. Oh man, what what a shame! What a shame! But look, let's not spend time talking about a TV show that used to be really good and has just fallen by the wayside. Let's get back to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> that was very deft on your part. <laughs> Thank you. I am a deftman. <laughs> So we get clips from over the weekend where Stan Lane is interviewing the unholy triumvirate of Yoko, Cornette, and Fuji. And we have Stan Lane standing next to Jim Cornette with no reference to their shared history. Distinct lack of Midnight Rockers love. Midnight Express. Distinct lack of Midnight Express love. (laughs) Okay. It's because Sean and Marty have had plenty of references over the previous year. (laughs) What'd you make of Stan Lane as an announcer? Um, from what I recall, like he was very workmanlike, but he was very loud when he talked. It was uh, it wasn't really the best fit because they had him doing play by play, which is bizarre. Like like he should have been the color guy being the ex wrestler, although they were trying to pass him off as, I guess, not an ex wrestler in WWF because WWF fans weren't supposed to know who Stan Lane was. He was just some guy with nice blonde hair. Only in wrestling, where they would say he wasn't a wrestler, but here he is giving his insightful opinion on wrestling. But he definitely wasn't a wrestler. In fact, he was part of the original Heavenly Bodies, but was replaced by Jimmy Del Rey. By Gigolo Jimmy. Ah, the more you know. Because you know Stan was in shape and was considered a sex symbol in wrestling, and it wouldn't look as comical had he been rubbing up on himself as opposed when Del Rey does it. That's true, actually. He was actually in too good shape. He was too good to be a heavenly body. He was overqualified for the role. <laughs> but he was very so, uh, animated in this bit as an, as the announcer, sort of discussing um, yeah. whatever they were discussing. I'll let you tell the story. Oh, yes, because uh, Yoko's just standing there stoically, as he usually does, while Cornette plays the Heyman to his Lesnar and just talks him up and all that. And apparently, well, Cornette at one point in the firm said, talk about how, you know, the whole point of this match is you got to put somebody in a big box. Box is the operative word here. 
because Yoko will freak out if he hears the word casket. Because, because as we have learned in professional wrestling, anyone who hates the Undertaker that weighs more than 400 pounds or is at least six foot eight has an irrational fear of, of caskets. <laughs> it's true. It's it is a, such such a trope for Undertaker opponents. If you're bigger than him, you therefore I want to draw like a Venn diagram, like size based on <laughs> amount of fear of caskets, and I guarantee there be a correlation. I mean, it was one thing to be afraid of Jake Roberts' snake because a fear of snakes is is pretty normal, but caskets. It's a box with a lid on it. I've never known anybody outside of wrestling have a fear of caskets. <laughs> I've had, the thing there's is... people who have, who have um, taphophobia, which is a fear of being buried alive. Okay, that's that makes sense. That's a very that's... real fear, but not a fear of caskets per se. Because caskets are just... You could store stuff in them. You know, you can keep like all you know, like old recipe boxes. You could store like your old books in there. Exactly. They're just these, they're just these big containers that had to have an unusual shape to them. That's all. It's like you know, it's there. like being afraid of spiders' webs. Well, I'll be honest with you. If I'm walking somewhere and I walk right into a spider web, I start doing my kung fu stances and swinging <laughs> my arms around. I got it off because I, I don't know. There could be a freaking brown recluse in there and know. that's what i mean you're not afraid of the spider's web you're afraid of the fact that it, it, it insinuates there is a spider nearby oh yes and whereas caskets stan... insinuate the fear of being buried alive and stan lane is the least empathetic person in the world here he really is because because he blurts out the word casket and you know, his eyes go wide and corner goes don't say that word and hand lane's like what word casket and Yoko starts freaking out. What's wrong with a casket? The Vince McMahon school of subtle announcing. Stan Lane is an honorary doctor of said subject. You ever read a comic strip called The Far Side? Yes, I'm familiar with The Far Side. Yes, the genius of Gary Larson. I remember a specific strip of that. Well, it's a one-panel strip. But it, had a, it was a picture of a guy inside of this sort of Porta potty shaped um, a receptacle, and has has a window on it, and shows him in the darkness, which is covered in snakes, and he's suspended from like the top of a tall building, while a scientist stares at him, and the cab and the caption is like Professor So and So's controversial technique of of curing fear of darkness, snakes, and heights all at the same time, <laughs> and, 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 the guy, and the guy comes like he's like screaming, like like. <laughs> I should have said Professor McMahon because I can see Vince doing that. Except he's not trying to help him; he's just he just wants to laugh at him. While I've he's... just I've just found the, uh, the the cartoon stripping question. What was the last name of the professor? Professor Gallagher. Oh, good. So it's like it's Liam then. <laughs> and his controversial <laughs> technique of simultaneously confronting the fear of heights, snakes, and the dark. I, re I remember all three. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> so it's uh. So this is like Pee Wee's Playhouse in reverse, where you say the magic word and it causes fear and apprehension. Because <laughs> they used to shout the word, didn't they? And everybody would go, ah! <laughs> yes, everybody would freak out. Although I never remember the episode of Pee Wee's Playhouse where the word was casket. <laughs> <laughs> casket! Oh! <laughs> hey, kid, let's talk about death! Death! Oh! <laughs> it's Mr. Rogers.
I guess Billy Gunn is a cowboy Curtis. <laughs> he certainly flipping well is. Who's Lawrence Fishburne, Cowboy Curtis? Oh, I don't know. Let me ask the internet. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Cowboy. Oh, yeah. I think he was. <laughs> yes, he was. Just, That's weird. I just compared Billy Gunn to uh, Lawrence Fishburne. I'm an ass man. Dom, dom. Yes, Neo, I am an ass man. What if I told you? What if I told you? Sulfur isn't supposed to talk. <laughs> what if I told you that you become king of the ring while simultaneously pulling your pants down? <laughs> well, speaking of Billy Gunn, he's on tonight's show. Yay! Against the, the new hot tag team sensation. And we can't say hot enough. Of Bam Bam Bigelow and Bastion Booger, it's he and Bart Gunn, his brother of, of the same last name. But more importantly, Johnny Polo is here to do commentary alongside Vince. He's wearing, he's wearing, a, he's wearing a shirt that has a polo sash as part of the design. This is Johnny Polo on it. Genius. Vince talks about how the smoke guns have taken the WWF by storm. I've, I, I, did I miss? Did I miss that particular weather <laughs> weather curation? Well, occasionally, you know, we have rainstorms that you just ignore while you do, like, you know, indoor activities, and, and then they go away and you forget about them. So, technically, he could be right. I thought Johnny Polo, and, and I know you liked him, because I had a message off you. Mm -hmm. I think it was yesterday, in the wee hours, where you were just gushing about Johnny Polo. Uh, yes, he was, he was quite, quite entertaining on this show. To the point where he... He took a rather boring show, what would have been boring if he didn't dress it up, and made it way better. How do you feel about Johnny Polo there, Tommy? I thought he gets it. At last. It's somebody new that that gets it. He was punchy. He was good with a one-liner. He knew what went where. He'd obviously researched the show. So he had genuine. Didn't feel like he just turned up like Shawn Michaels did, like he just turned, like he just got, like as you said, just got sort of pushed out of a car a couple of minutes before and got sent in. <laughs> he wasn't rambly, like Shawn was, or like the Quebecers were. He was a bit self-indulgent, but the right amount of self-indulgent, uh, mm -hmm. just uh, not enough to take away from the action in the ring. In fact, on many occasions, he he. Uh, mm. He really helped bring a match up. I thought he was great. I thought he was absolutely bang on. He he was the perfect fusion of Bobby DeBrain Heenan and stuck-up rich kid Shane McMahon. Mm -hmm. And he was so good that it almost makes you forget how brilliant he was as Raven. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, if you have watched this show, yes, that is Raven at ringside playing that... <laughs> a hyperactive mama's boy. If you're a youngster watching this, and you watching this episode of Raw for the first time? Yes, that is so Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Had to work that one in. Thank you very much. Very proud. So Sean's also in action, as is Jeff Jarrett. And Vince, Vince meant to say take a look at one point, but he ended up saying take a load, which cracked me up. What has <laughs> Vince has ever said on commentary? He recovers from it 
but quite quite humorously where he says, Take a load of well, not take a load of, take a look of Yokozuna. He is a load. <laughs> wow. <laughs> kind of forty kind of flip shaving. that. What was Vince <laughs> trying to pawn off his mistake on him? I'd rather vote on Yokozuna. He's fat. Is what I'm saying. See, now Scott Snyder was on commentary. He could say that. He was obviously trying to say get a load of, but he started with take. A, he was he kind of... He did that thing. Have you ever done that thing where you start to say one word, but you think you're going to say another, so the words kind of mesh? Yes, many times. It, 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 it is a Freudian slip, in, uh, I think, in the academic sense. Like when you try and say... What like it, it happened to it happened to me and it happened to um, British radio personality Christian O'Connell where I was out and I somebody held the door open for me and I went to say cheers but then my brain started to think thanks so instead I said chanks chanks <laughs> I never go back it to happens. a shopping centre ever again. <laughs> what did he call us? <laughs> he called us chanks. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Don't know what that door, means. Chanks very much. <laughs> so Yokozuna, in one of the most infamous squash matches of all time, versus poor Dan Dubiel. So we referenced this match on the show before because I've, I've showed Tommy a long time ago mm-hmm. the uh, the infamous finish of this match. So Dubiel looks nervous. I noted that beforehand, but I think the story here is that Yoko's on edge because of the whole casket thing. So he's taking his aggression now, and it just so happens that Dubiel is going to take the brunt of his aggression, unfortunately. Polo gets off to a great start by calling Vince Vic, which he will do throughout the night. <laughs> he's so good. Uh, they reference the recent death of Cesar Romero, who is the brilliant portrayer of the Joker on the old Batman 1960s TV series. Yeah, the original Joker left us in this particular day. Unfortunately. The man who would who would, who would have put the grease paint over top of his mustache rather than shave it off. Which was a great look. Strong look. Polo uses the word blower in reference to a phone, so he's probably a fan of the grease man. You've been a radio guy. You being a radio guy, you might know who Grease Man is. Grease Man. He was a rather in, he was a rather infamous radio personality in America who said some regrettable things over the years and had a very distinct voice. Get on the blue, Grease Man. If you, if, if you don't know, you're probably better off. Sadly, I don't know the Grease Man. I feel like he's somebody I need to look up. Yes, and look up why he's lost his job three times over the years. Oh, dear. That didn't mean nothing, babe. So anyway, uh, Polo cracks me up immediately by saying, do Beal or not do Beal. <laughs> and he just kind of drops it in, like some sort of one-liner torpedo. It's just out of the, hey, Vince, do Beal or not to Beal, am I right? <laughs> it's, Johnny Polo has come along with a whole raft of gags, and he's got to get them in. And that is what he's going to do. It's like pure stream of consciousness stuff. <laughs> I don't care whether this makes sense with the flow of what we're talking about. I'm just going to say it now. <laughs> Whatever flight of whimsy he can come up with, he's going to throw out there. God love him. And, 
So you're going to start slamming the beal around emphatically. It's a very methodical beating. Polo says the crowd is dissing his homeboy, which really dates this show. You could begin smacking Dubiel around. This isn't your typical squash match. He's not just trying to win the match. He's trying to ragdoll this poor man. Then we come to the finish. Now, <clears throat> Yuka takes the phrase squash match literally here. He pulls Dubiel to the corner and goes for the bonsai drop. Okay. Now, usually when you do the bonsai drop, Yuka will put his feet down on the mat on the descent and lower his buttocks down into the man's chest. They say, a lot of people have said that it's a very safe move to take because Yoko knows how to cushion the fall. And it, it's like a big fluffy pillow landing on top of you. It's actually not that bad. Dubiel, however, would not know that luxury. Because Yoko came down, either he slipped, or he really hated Dubiel and just said screw him because he came down feet out so that his, his ass landed right on Dubiel's neck. Even Vince and Johnny Polo winced as it happened. Yeah, they were horrified. And Yoko, if this was an accident, he covered it well by just uh, glaring at the camera as if, as if to say, you, Taker, this is going to be you. And Dubiel, you could see you could see actually talking to Yoko after, after the pinfall was rendered. Maybe assuring him that he was okay or saying, you know, get the hell off my neck or whatever it may have been. And Yoko sits on him for a while after the pin. And some speculated over the years that Dubiel did something. He may have breached etiquette of some sort backstage and, and took this beating as a result. Yeah, I've got a bit of uh, Dan Dubiel speculation to drop on you here, brother. Okay. Um, so apparently he had, quote-unquote, disrespected Mr. Fuji backstage. Now, this could mean, like, in a normal world, disrespect would mean you were you were, you were rude to him unnecessarily or whatever. But in the wrestling world, it could be, oh, he didn't hold a door open for him. Oh, he, he stood to the left of him and not the right. I don't know. But apparently he disrespected Mr. Fuji, which is what led to that altercation. Um, Dan DeBeal was fine after this as well. He was okay. So fine that he actually wrestled another match that night. Wow. That's, under a uh, different name. Under a different name. People just saw him out there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but that's what that's that's the speculation. And the other and apparently that Dan DeBeal wrestled Yokozuna twice and this happened both times. <laughs> Which means either Yoko dis despises Dan DeBeal, or Dan DeBeal is one of the unluckiest wrestlers in the history of wrestling. It's like when the house fell on the Wicked Witch. I see <laughs> the feet sticking out. If, if, you, if you have never seen this bump, it's quite famous. You can just Google, Google Yokozuna Dan DeBeal. It'll come right up. Because uh, how, how this man lived through this incident is beyond me. This is a 500-plus pound man landing basically double butt cheek first down across across your throat and larynx. The iron throat and the iron larynx of one Dan DeBeal is celebrated tonight. He needs that thing that Kane had when he spoke through the, you know, the uh, kazoo. <laughs> 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 hey, you're going to give me your best shot. <laughs> 
Not an actual kazoo. John! John, mate, I know you're on vacation, but... You he's the one of the country off. bears. <laughs> he's away. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's traveling around Yorkshire. But John! I know yeah, you're on no Bob's. <laughs> he hasn't booked holiday with us. That's the problem. He's, <laughs> he's booked it with his employers, but not with us. So we need Kane playing the kazoo, please, mate. Thank you. <laughs> So we get highlights. <laughs> Wait, King of the Ring 98. <laughs> you have way too much fun with this. <laughs> so we get highlights from Lex Luger and Jacques Rougeau facing off on Superstars over the weekend. Oh, yeah, there was a big story there, wasn't there, where he just battered the entire of the Quebecers. Yes, uh, Lex, it's Lex Reigns taking on Jacques McIntyre. Lex Reigns. While Shane Poehler runs around ringside. <laughs> I don't know who Peter is. I guess it's like a doppelganger, because basically we're joining the progress here. A referee's out, Luger's out, Jacques's out, because it's hour 12 of this taping, and they've all had enough. They're all having a good sleep. <laughs> Pierre jumps in it and, and basically takes he, he 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 leg drops Luger, rolls Jacques out of the ring and takes over because Jacques now has a beer gut out of nowhere, and it's about two inches shorter. Uh, referee comes to takes a Luger kicks out of, of of this pinfall. Luger beats Pierre, so Jacques jumps in and goes, "Oh no no no, it's a mistake. I'm in the match, not him." So Luger beats Jacques also. And then she, <laughs> And then the big dud hits him with a forearm smash. The big dud. Well, I'm just based on how the push went. I don't know. America, 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 Mer, Mer, man, 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 man. So, uh, Polo gets formed also for his troubles, and. We cut to a pre-show interview with Vince and Luger sitting in deep into the crowd, which is about four rows deep. And Vince is completely wide-eyed as Luger flexes his pecs. I mean, you've never seen love like this in your life. I have not seen, right? And this is going to be quite cutting. I've not seen a more pathetic babyface promo in my entire career as a wrestling fan. Are you saying? Are you saying worse? Then the Yahoo is like Luger promos. <laughs> I oh I don't know. It's just this one is just he is so insipid. It annoys me. First of all, he keeps calling it Royal Rumble, not the Royal Rumble, <laughs> and that immediately annoys me because like God, do we have to write everything down for you? Like when I get into Royal Rumble, it's not called that. It's never been called that. It's called the Royal Rumble. It's always been called the. How are you not paying attention? You you debuted at one. Like, how do you not know? That's um, what you found. This is what you found fault with for this. No, promo. no, no, no. That's the beginning. It's the whole okay. thing of. So the the story is, Jack Tunney, eh, is going to make the decision whether Lex Luger can be in the Rumble or not. And so Vince is like, how do you feel about that? And Lex Luger's answer, his insipid answer, is what annoys me. Where he goes, 
well, it's up to Jack Tunney, and uh, I'm slightly paraphrasing. Well, if it's up to Jack Tunney, and uh, if he thinks I should be in the Rumble, then uh, that's okay. I guess I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll just carry on and and do my things. Like no, it's not what I want a babyface with fire to say. Can you imagine Steve Austin? Imagine Steve Austin. Vince says you're not in the Rumble, and Steve Austin going. Oh well, that's okay. I'll uh, I'll sit this one out and I'll work my way up the ranks. No, I will set fire to the building if I cannot be in that match. But I'll tell you, I'm like, oh, that's okay. Son, I'll just fire a grenade launcher at Jack Tunney's house. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> like Luger gave me. Like, after that, if I'd voted for Luger to be in the Rumble, I'd have called the cable company and said my phone had been stolen. Because now I don't want him in the Rumble. He don't want it. Oh well, thanks everybody who voted for me. If I get in, I suppose it's all right. If I don't, then I get. It's just so insipid. <laughs> he has three quotes here that I have to write down for, for posterity. The first is at the onset of the interview where he says, and I'm going to say this with the same level of energy that he said it. <laughs> and you'll see why I had to write this down. And the quote is, I'm on pins and needles. <laughs> I'm on pins and needles! No, I, I mean, he's, he's, he said with that level of energy as if the pins were filled with Novocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Which would explain the level of energy. Who's on pins and needles? Unless you've been sat on your hand for 20 minutes. <laughs> then you're on pins and needles. Now the next quote, I don't remember what this context was because I, I watched this 36 hours ago. But Luger says at one point, I don't understand that logic. And I, I want that soundbite forever. So, so that I can play it during various role episodes. So now we've, of, got, of the... we've now got two quotes from the top good guys in the company, both saying, I don't know. We've got Luger saying, I don't understand that logic. And we've got Savage going, I don't know what that means. Yeah, nobody knows. You never know. Nobody knows anything in this company. But the, but the hammer of this promo. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
not the Greg Valentine, but the hammer of this promo is when he says, they're going to see one fired up Lex Luger. <laughs> like, I couldn't sound more sleepy, but I'm really fired up. Prince Valium here. <laughs> Prince Valium. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if, if Jack Tony lets me in a rubble, oh, I mean, if he does it, it's all right. I'll just have him sleep, but I tell you what, I'm up for it. <laughs> this is not babyface fire. This is a babyface. This is a babyface baby picture of fire. <laughs> this is babyface tepid. Oh God! It's just oh, like <laughs> just every. I'm. I really want to get behind the the Lex Express, even though we've now stopped at the petrol station and we can't find the. Uh, <laughs> we we can't find where to put the petrol in. Lex lukewarm. <laughs> Lex. Lu- From this point on in the podcast, he is known as Lex Lukewarm. Okay, good. We have a year and eight months to get as much mileage out of that as possible. Lex Lukewarm. Lex Lukewarm is in the house. Gosh, what an insipid character. I I could not... I really want to care about Lex Lukewarm. I really do. But I just... he He's making... God damn it. He makes it so hard to love him. He really does. <laughs> We criticized Roman Reigns' character portrayal for being too stoic for his own for his own good. He had nothing on Lex Lukewarm. Ah, uh, at least Roman Roman tries to an extent. At least when Roman fires up, he comes off like, you know, like, 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 a, like a madman that can't be stopped. Oh, just... The proverbial house of fire. <laughs> so we come to a part of the show that time for this part. You may. You have to mute me for one part here. Okay. Because, uh, well, you'll see why. I'll explain. It is a vignette for Sparky Plug, the future Bob Spark Plug Holly, future hardcore Holly. Still in his race car days. The video shows him prepping for a race. He's in his car getting harnessed in. They show a random car zooming by. And he ends by saying, Oh, Sparky's on his way to the World Wrestling Federation. When I first heard this, I had to go back because I misheard him. When he said, all Sparky's on his way, I thought he said, oh, fuck, he's on his way. <laughs> knowing, what, knowing what we know now about him, I think a lot of people thought that. <laughs> Hardcore Santa Maria. <laughs> he comes on by riding a bull. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Blazing saddles, Bob. <laughs> now that would be a gimmick. Hardcore I... only pawn in Cape <laughs> of Life. Do you, know, do you know what I liked about the Thurman plug <laughs> vignette? Like, I'm not saying it's easy to get into a boxcar, but <laughs> one of the bits they chose to show was Thurman plug getting into a boxcar, and it looked like he got stuck. Because he was cl- he was climbing in, and then he stopped, and then they just they hung on him, sort of squeezing in for a little bit too long, and then it looked like they went, oh god, he's stuck, cut away. <laughs> well, it is pretty hard to get in into those race cars because you know there's no 
it's, it's very compressed inside it so it does make sense but it was just unintentionally funny like it just took you like they they lingered on him stuck between the outside world and the car for a second too long i thought <laughs> made it unintentionally funny well yeah you think they'd show more clips of him, of him zooming around the, sh- the show that he he's a man who in, embraces danger, not so much the preparation part of it. That's it. I don't. I don't care to see how he gets in and how he gets going. I want to watch him like flip over thirty cars and through a loop through a ring of fire. It'd be like you know, if if, if Emerald Emerald Lagasse or Julia Child's cooking show was just them buying the groceries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or watching the Undertaker just build his casket. Oh, actually, that's a good point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, that's kind of scary because you know, here he is in the world's smokiest shop class. <laughs> Maybe they thought, hey, well, we sh- we're showing The Undertaker doing, like, admin. So maybe if we show Thurman Plug doing admin, it'll be just as entertaining. <laughs> I'm just to picture Undertaker like an actual shop class. It's like, it's like a sixth grade with a coping stall working on <laughs> something nearby. Hey, someone's the... got, you've got to start somewhere. John? I'm ready for Undertaker in shop class. Undertaker in shop class, John. Get on it. Hope you're having a nice vacation. Safety goggles are optional. <laughs> Safety goggles are mandatory. The smoking guns versus Bam Bam Bigelow and Bastion Booger. <laughs> I just wrote in big letters at the top of this, Bigelow deserves better. So the guns are coming out and Vince says, you're talking about hot commodities. Why was Vince so bullish on the guns this week? Because they're big lads with beef. And they're like cowboys. They're like Texans. They're rough. (coughs) And Johnny Polo cannot be more sarcastic during this intro. He says the word humdinger, which is dripping with, like, this is going to suck. Doesn't he say Donnybrook as well? He probably does. He gets all the cliches in. I believe he does drop in a Donnybrook, which makes me very happy. I love the word Donnybrook. And Paula says Booger vows to lose three pounds by year's end. <laughs> that was good. He really rinsed that gag. I thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, Paula's, uh, Paula's in rare form here. Move of the match for me <laughs> was Bart Gunn attempting to go over the top rope. <laughs> He attempted. It's somehow defying the laws of nature and sort of staggering through the second and third rope. <laughs> like collapsing yeah. through in what would have may have possibly been the first true botchamania moments on terrestrial television. No, there was quite a few before that, but this definitely qualifies it. What happened was Booger's supposed to pull the top rope down so that Bart tumbles over. Either he didn't pull it down enough or Bart decided decide the hell with that. I'm taking an easier fall from a shorter distance and just goes through the middle rope for no reason. He just clatters through them as well, like a like a coin dropping into a penny machine. Just bouncing off everything. <laughs> Polo got two really funny moments earlier on in this match. One was when Billy hits his picture-perfect drop kick because Billy gets great height on it, and he praises it. And he goes, wait, wait, no, no, it's bad, it's bad. Like, he starts denouncing it because he's a baby face. I enjoyed him going back on his word. He was, he, I think he did that a couple of times in this match, where he found himself praising the guns. And the other one, he's talking about Booger not losing weight. He says he needs a weight to have energy for sex with his wife. 
And I was there because he says he needs to keep the energy for sex. And Vince goes, sex? Like he's never heard the word in his life. Of all people. Sex? Babyface Vince is the greatest anachronism in wrestling history. <laughs> Nothing feels more out of place than Babyface Vince. So Polar freaks out on the hot tag like he's just beside himself. Like like he, it's as if Vince told him before this match. All right, be the ultimate stereotype of every wrestling announcer that there's ever been during this match, and, and Polar took him up on that. He went for it. He absolutely slayed with it as well. I thought he was great. So Booger gets knocked to the outside. Bam Bam's taking the beating inside. Loon starts rubbing Booger's hump. Vince's words, not mine. Then Booger kisses Luna's hand, and Luna's slightly horrified. Bagel is still getting beaten up, and then Booger forces himself onto Luna, and, and Luna has the most perfect get-him-off-of-me look on her face you could possibly imagine. Because then she slaps him, doesn't she? Yeah, but Booger keeps pursuing her. And they, and they repeat this an uncomfortable amount of times, where Booger sort of stalks her for a bit, and then hugs her, and then lets go, then stalks her for a bit, then hugs her, then let's go. Well, they need Bam Bam to notice this so that he can do the next part. Well, that was it. I, I figured was... there might have been a spot that had been missed or something. Yeah, because Bam Bam finally realizes what's going on here. That uh, Quasimodo is assaulting his princess. And he goes to the front charge and has the worst brawl with Booger imaginable. And Polo, of course, man, you want to know, because from Polo's commentary, he goes, We got a pure six brawl, McMahon! <laughs> Again, just owning the stereotypes. <laughs> Guns win via countout, and I wrote Polo carried that match. Polo, yeah, he did. He was he was absolutely sensational in this. I loved him. He's been great all night. <laughs> Might as well just uh, rate him now because he's not going downhill from here. He 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 may have shattered the Bartlett Heenan scale. Oh yeah, I would say he's he is basically he is him and Heenan are close enough to kiss. I would say he's that far up the scale. <laughs> Polo was a goddamn genius, and I want to see him, see him and Kevin Cole do commentary now with no tethers on Johnny Polo whatsoever. Oh, it would be an absolute treat. Unfortunately, at this point, we um, we have to go to the other voice of the WWF, who normally I'm not really negative on. Normally, he kind of gets gets a buy from me. <clears throat> I know you're not a massive fan. Um, but oh god, Todd Pettingill was a special kind of awful tonight. Uh, yeah, he, he gets in his jokes at the start of the report, and uh, well, they're not really good jokes for New Year's this year. I want a hump like the one that Bastian Booger's got. What, what is that? Get lost. Was my <laughs> that's my initial reaction. He made that joke. He stared at the camera, smiled, and I'm just like, Pettingill, get lost, mate. Just, just not, not this week. Go away. Stop now. If this segment ends now, you, you can recover. If Joe Fowler had pulled him off camera and replaced him, oh, what a, he'd, we'd be knighting Joe Fowler on this particular episode. He'd be wow. a knighthood. Couldn't Polo have just done the Royal Rumble report? <laughs> I wish he could have done. So anyway, here's 27 J Bruins who are in this match. <laughs> Typical puller fashion. <laughs> so yes, we are up to 27 names for the Rumble. We have three open spots. Then, <clears throat> or the names are as follows. 
We have the 18 from last week, Bret Hart, Crush, Kamala, Owen, Doink, Mabel, Scott Steiner, not Rick, Sean, Diesel, Adam Bomb, Bigelow, Savage, 123 Kid, both head shrinkers, oh, there's Rick Steiner, Bob Backlund, Greg Valentine, and just added to the match, the Smoking Guns, Rick Martell, Bastion Booger, Marty Jannetty, Moe from Men on a Mission, and Jeff Jarrett, Ludwig Borga, and Tatanka. You know, I don't get why cons- some tag teams are clusters together and some aren't. That is a mystery that will never be solved. It's a very confusing situation. And speculation continues that, that Luger could be added in, in one of the three open spots. And in fact, uh, well, I'll, I'll bet he probably is going to be. I wonder if he will be. And of course, the other two spots would play into Luger. Should he take spot number 28? More on that later. Yes, more on that when we get to it. I'll just say right now, looking at this lineup, there are two substitutions here. Actually, wait. Um, there are three substitutions here because you can't have a pay-per-view in this era without substitutions. Obviously. Actually, I'll say this. From looking at the 27 names, four guys listed will not make it into the Rumble match. Oh, jeez. Is it injury-related or other things? Could be, a, could be a bit of both. Are we um, going to cross that guess, bridge when we get to it? We could, but I'll, I'll let you guess who those four are right now if you want to. Okay, the four guys who don't make it. Um, Kamala? Okay. Greg Valentine? Surely not. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, does okay. he? No, he doesn't. <laughs> um... Does he? I don't know. Uh, Kamala, Greg Valentine. I don't seem to remember Tatanka being in there, but I might be wrong. And... Oh, Mo from Men on a Mission. Okay, we shall see. Okay, those are my four. We'll know in a few weeks. Unless Mo wins it, that'd be hilarious. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means. So we run through the non-Rumble matches, which are Tigger Yoko Casket match for the title, Hart versus Quebecers for the tag belts, Razor Iris for the Intercontinental title, and Tatanka versus Borger pulling double duty, going one-on-one with one another to try and settle the score once and for all. I always like it when they have those matches, and I think I don't think they do it at this Rumble, but they certainly do it at either the 95 or the 96 one where they have the one versus 30 match. So the loser goes in at number one and the winner goes in at number 30. They did it for uh, 96, actually. 96. Uh, Triple H versus Duke Drozzi. Duke the Dumpster, who's getting a lot of love on Twitter this week when someone posted a gif of uh, him doing his trash compactor finisher and saying, this, 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 this movie to make a comeback, and I, I do agree with it. I saw it do the rounds, and I thought it was a cracking finisher. Like, simple, effective, looks really nice. Looked really clean. Mm. Liked it. I like the trash compactor. I think Braun could do it as sort of an add-on to his just his basic power slam. Oh, you would suit Braun, actually. So Pettengill throws it to the next Jeff Jarrett match, and he does the spell out of his own name with the tube sparkle. Just, yeah, finish. Start as you finish. Just just really not a fan of Todd this week. Spelling out his name like a goob. Oh, it just, he just really annoyed me this week. So we have... Lord Alfred Hayes promoting the anniversary show to the dramatic music that din, 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 din. next week on Monday Night's Roll. Din, 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 din. 
anniversary show we've somehow made of the year. Dun, 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 dun. That's a so great Jeff... British accent, by the way. I'm, I think that's great. My word. <laughs> it's like it's like you're English. Oh, thank you. How's it's... your Geordie? I, I'm intrigued. I don't even know what a Geordie is. You've been Ma- saying it for a year. Basically, I have no idea what it... <laughs> basically um, uh, do you really not? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just assume you're saying something that's distasteful, and, I'm, and I, I don't question it. Okay, I will fill you in. Geordie uh, is somebody from Newcastle-upon-Tyne, or the Tyneside okay. area. Okay. So a Geordie is somebody that is from Newcastle. But obviously I'm a fake Geordie, because I am in the northeast but i'm not from the northeast hence why i always say i'm a fake geordie i thought maybe you're saying you're like an imposter lavar burton i don't know what that means shorty laforge oh of course of course i mean i am that as well like a a geordie accent the, the best example of a geordie accent would be would be john John, I don't need to do anything, mate. I'm just just testing if you're still there. Um, I'm just sometimes people drift off. Um, John Eiley, as we discovered this week, does an amazing Geordie. Well, he's Geordie, so that's that's a Geordie accent. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Matthew is and and Ross and Jack and not so much Adam, but uh, not so much myself. But everybody else there, pretty much Geordies or Macam. Okay, I still won't be able to tell the difference, but I'll play it along. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff Jarrett versus John Crystal. And Jarrett cannot be caked in more paisley on this show. <laughs> he is living for that purple rain, is he not? Yes, he, he, he's the prince of something or other. <laughs> the, the prince the prince of being ribbed with this outfit. <laughs> he is... Uh... He's Velveteen something. Velveteen not... Bream. <laughs> I want to make a pun there, but I couldn't think of anything. Damn it all. Uh, so Polo... <laughs> Polo was on a rant about how his mom, earned, as he says, mumsy, thinks Vic is a good commentator, and he can't believe that. <laughs> This is just him saying "mumsy" is hilarious. It's just funny when you consider it's Johnny Polo. <laughs> he just has no inhibition on commentary at all. He really doesn't. He really doesn't. So Vince promotes the movie "Bad Influence," the movie not Daniel Gazarian, unfortunately, because that would improve the show. Which which stars James Spader and Rob Lowe. It's actually a pretty good movie. And this is why Johnny Polo is brilliant. Is because Johnny Polo gets it. He jumped in and was like, "I've seen that. It's really good." And it's just little little touches like that that bring what is obviously some sort of institutional, commercial based information to life. So I love him <laughs> for those little flickers. It is a good noirish kind of thriller. And of course, Polo has to reference uh, Rob Lowe's real life scandal, which came out. A few years before this, which I don't know how well advised that was. If you don't know what that is, feel free to uh, Wikipedia that. Oh, I will do, actually. Uh, let's just say uh, he probably shouldn't have had a camera handy. Oh. He probably shouldn't have been filming what he filmed. Um, so Jared, I, I noted here, is selling way too much for these early squashes. Like, this is his second big TV match here. And, and the jobber's getting so much offense on him that it's like... He spent too much building him up as his threat. 
this guy just want to take over professional wrestling. And he's just getting his ass beat like he's the honky-tonk man. Yeah, Crystal gets in some, like, a couple of near falls as well. He, he gets this weird-looking standing power slam. And he, he's actually in control of the match when Jarrett hits the finish. Sends Jarrett and right in the ropes, ducks the head, he telegraphs it. Jarrett gets his jumping DDT, which is, a, which is a pretty cool move. And that's it. And Jarrett, I, I wrote, looks less than star-like. He really, really doesn't stand out. Which is what obviously he does because he looks like a velveteen bream, but he doesn't in the sense that he. I just feel like he should be. People shouldn't be getting so much on him. Like in in this era where though where jobbers are jobbers, like their job is to make the other guy look good. Like Jeff gave a lot of shine to John Crystal. Yeah, and and Jared's one getting pushed here supposedly. Hmm. I mean, I realize, I mean, I realize in this era, you know, we have there's a lot of matches where we see, uh, you know, the job guys getting a lot of offense because, you know, they're trying to build the whole anything could happen. There could be an upset at any point. But maybe perhaps it goes a little bit too far in that direction. Yeah, perhaps I, I like that they do that, but it's... Um, do you remember excessive. the time on NXT where they built up a Davies Hon that turned out to just be a jobber? Spoiler. Uh, Kind of. Um, Dan Matha, I think his Dan name Ma- was. There was a couple uh, of promos on NXT to promote Dan Matha. He looks, he looked like, oh, I don't know if I can say his name on, on this, but he looked like, here's why. He looked like him. Uh, Simon Miller? <laughs> Simon Miller. I wasn't sure if we could say his name or not. And I have sure. just slapped my own face. That really hurt. Um, <laughs> You have to do that. I'm, I'm performance artist, but darling. Um, <laughs> but so, so they did these. They did promos to build him up, debuting next week, and he debuted. He walked out, and Samoa Joe just battered him, and then we never saw him again until Greatest <laughs> Royal Rumble. Why? Here's why. Here's why. But what was lovely was all the comments were, "Hi, I'm Simon Miller." Hi, I'm Simon Miller. Hi, I'm Simon Miller. <laughs> well, everybody's got a twin somewhere in the world. Gosh. Love you, Simon Miller. We get highlights of the Johnny Polo Marty Marty Confetti match from last week. <laughs> and Johnny Polo is just a glorious moron on this. Where he's just yeah. saying, oh, I beat him easy. Beat him easy. Could beat them both. Him and the one, two, three kid. Beat them both. Can I say this real fast? If Corey Graves had said Marty Confetti, it wouldn't be one-tenth as funny as Johnny Polo saying it. Something about the way that Polo delivers that makes him even more wonderful. <laughs> he has a sort of giddy grunt to his voice that makes him hilarious. <laughs> it's, 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 it's delivery and it's tone, and that's why he's so funny. So as Polo... As Polo brags about beating Gennady, you know, I could beat Gennady and Kid at the same time. Uh, we, we get a... Marty and Kid hit the ring. Kid's wearing his wrestling gear. Marty looks like he just came off the street. He's got a denim hoodie combo, a backward ball cap, and an Iker Pro shirt. That is an amazing look. It was it was a look very much of the time. Uh, I don't even know about that, quite honestly. <laughs> but but anyway, uh, they confront Polo. Polo is now suddenly uh, not talking so big, and they goad him 
into saying, well, you know, if we're so bad, why don't you have the Quebecers faces next week? And for the belts on the anniversary show of Raw, and Paul hems and hauls, but he's back into a corner now. And ultimately, he agrees to do it. Like, like all right, fine, next week it'll be for the belt, it'll be a tune-up for the hearts at the, at the Royal Rumble. So next week, Quebecers versus Marty Confetti and the one 2 3 kid for the World Tag Team Championship. That's exciting. It's going to be a damn good match. I, I have a lot of faith in Jeanette and the kid as a tag team. Yeah, they're kind of an extension of the Rockers in a way. But not in a way where it's like the new Rockers. It just feels like it's a nice evolution of two people. Hmm. At least it's still Marty Jannetty and Sean. Yeah. So it kind it, of is, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, 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 it is in the technical sense also. It is Marty Jannetty and Sean. So... We jumped to a, another in a series of PSAs that we have for WWE. Now, here's my – before we get into this, I, I just had a thought. We have Taker and Brett telling you not to drink and drive. Wasn't – weren't Ludwig Borger's PSAs – PSAs? When he said, you know, don't pollute and all that. Like, you sure you're like an asshole when he did those. That's very true. Hmm. And Ludwig Borger invented the PSA and, and got grief for it. Borger was, but I, I think, I think, I think he was referring to America as garbage van man or whatever. So it was a disparaging element to it. Although Razor Ramon does call smokers losers in this particular PSA. You should call them garbage drivers. Smoker, smokers are garbage drivers. You are a garbage driver. Garbage driver. Which still should be Duke Drosy's finisher. <laughs> That's what Drago should have called Rocky. <laughs> you are garbage driver. <laughs> it's on now. <laughs> so Ramon, who does... So what they've done is they found this, this beautiful formula for PSAs where it's cut a promo that bigs mm-hmm. up the wrestler... And then just tack on the end a, a thing to deal with. <laughs> That's basically what they do. It's like, hi, I'm Razor Ramon. I'm the best one ever. Oh, and don't smoke. He, he, he did say smokers are losers, but what, shouldn't have been like smokers are jokers. So it has like a catchy rhyme to it. There should have been a, yeah, there should have been a little bit more. He, he, he should have sang, um, you should have sang Maurice. I'm like, huh? I'm not a smoker. I'm not a joker. I'm not a midnight talker. But I play my music in the sun. The sun. I do sun. <laughs> well, thanks to Razor Ramon, who some call the Lambda Cowboy. I... And a gangster of love. And a gangster of love. I will now not smoke. <laughs> he will, he will then spend... Does does Scott Hall not walk out on Nitro at some point with a cigarette? He walks out pissed drunk several times. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) But that's not smoking, though, so that's fine. You can get smashed. Just don't smoke. Exactly. And uh, that's why he was drunk, because he wanted wanted to meet The Undertaker, because Tigger was in the good company, and he wanted to wrestle him instead. (laughs) In in an inebriated state, he watched an old episode of Raw. Because I'm just thinking going, don't drink or drive or you'll meet me. He's like, hey, Chico, get the car. We're wrestling Undertaker. 
<laughs> Fish off season with the beer. Razor, why are you? I know, I know, man. 90 day no compete clause. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> 90 millimeter, 90 milliliter no compete clause. <laughs> so we come to the match of the week, and it wasn't the feature match, it's this match. Shawn Michaels versus Brian Walsh. Now, Brian Walsh hadn't long come off a title reign as SWF World Heavyweight Champion. That's right, the Slammers Wrestling Federation in California. What a time to be alive. Well, that's how he earned his way in here. It's like, uh, you know, it's like winning the minor circuit on Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. <laughs> it truly is. He is, um, he's the Glass Joe of the, <laughs> of the <laughs> WWF. No, 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 because Glass Joe gets no offense. Oh, that's Brian true. Walsh got, Brian Walsh got some offense in this match. But first, we had an ad for Rage in the Cage, which made me very happy, even though I never played the game because I didn't have Sega CD. It was the first WWF game to feature full motion video. That is true. And it boasted the largest roster of any WWF game to that point. 20 different wrestlers. But here's the catch. They had the head shrinkers on the game, the Nasty Boys, and Money Incorporated, and there was no tag team feature. <laughs> I love it. WTF. But it did have Kamala in the game, so that it's a pass for that. It basically looked like a lot of the Mega Drive games, but it just could hold more characters. Yeah, and and and, and the worst part is, you know, you have twenty guys, but you, but no Royal Rumble mode. That would have been fun. Just that like, would just. Nice. Like, Trying to run the table as Mr. Perfect or as uh, Sam Moo. So after the Rage in the Cage promo, we go to Sean versus Walsh and we get a phone with Jacques. Now, I'm thinking that when he called Jacques, he was going to be pissed off about having to defend the belts next week. The polar heads you know, sold him down the river. That would have been you know, the, the idea that, like, what, what would you do that for? But no, he's so optimistic and happy about this idea and they're like oh sure we'll be the next week no problem so that was kind of a surprise more than up for it and the other problem is well the problem with this is uh this proves that Jacques doesn't watch Raw <laughs> if only he did he would actually know what the crack was <laughs> because then Jacques would have called in and said Johnny what the hell what would you do that for I like the idea of there being a hotline where wrestlers can just ring up and just add their own storylines. <laughs> just call Cole. Stop speaking in cliches. <laughs> Converse with the people around you. <laughs> Talk like a human. Put some verbs in your sentences, goddammit. Converse. Don't just soundbite. Or I'll throw water on you. We'll see if, we'll see if you're made of circuits, actual circuits or not. <laughs> So, Walsh does the spot with Sean where he's, he bridges out of the knuckle lock and springs up into a monkey flip and sends Sean flying across the ring. This is not, this is not your typical squash match. This was an impressive match for Brian Walsh. A great outing. And Brian Walsh was the next big star watching this match. So, Walsh is rallying for a bit. Sean cuts off with a power slam. I'm like... I'm enthralled by this at this point. I'm watching this at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm tired. This perked me up. 
It was it was actually a strong match from both. And it's funny because we just gave Jeff Jarrett a lot of grief for giving enhancement talent some uh, offense. But for some reason, this was okay. Well, I think it's different because this was like a beautiful match to watch. That was just Jarrett just getting punked out by someone doing basic moves. This was like Walsh looking like the next, the, like Sean Waltman's clone here. Just getting in like all this innovative stuff that you never see. So it's like, you know, are we seeing a new star be born here? John Crystal didn't give off that same vibe. It was just a guy doing basic stuff to keep Jeff Jarrett grounded. It does feel like that, doesn't it? It does. This is, this is why Sean was, was at least a few cuts above Jeff Jarrett. No disrespect to Double J. Sean keeps throwing Walsh out of the ring near Diesel. Diesel keeps throwing him back in. Sean gets this delayed suplex. Polly goes on a rant about Razor about how he should be deported. And and, Pol- and then Polo tells us the story of his ancestor, Sir Horatio Abercrombie Polo, said like in Palm Beach back in the day. <laughs> it's it's the bluster in his voice when he tells these stories. It was that was so good. I I, I enjoyed. I just all night he's been great. <laughs> we have Bigelow and Booger next week. Yay! Oh, thank goodness. Walsh is back on offense. The crowd's buying into him, possibly beating Sean. But he misses a drop kick, and that's his undoing. Super kick hits, but that's not the finish yet. The pile driver is. Sean wins. Yeah, I thought we were we were we were closer than ever to having sweet chin music as a finisher. Yeah, this is before the point when before Razor finally puts some sense in him and says, "It's your best looking move. Just use that for the finish." And the rest is history. Nicely done. So next week, the anniversary show of Monday Night Raw, Quebecers versus Kid and Jannetty for the belts. Bigelow and Booger gets reinforced one more time. And we get this cheap balloon graphic for a happy new year to end the show with. We also get told of a special guest commentator. Yes, we do. You're, that is right. Which and which they spill no, no beans on, but I'm very intrigued. It's Lacey Evans. Hey, da, 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 da. that'd be lovely. <laughs> so, where are we rating Johnny Polo this week? Because for me, uh, not nine, nine on ten, nearly but, perfect. But say we almost had to rename the scale here. Very nearly, but it would always be the Bartlett Heenan scale. I think nine on ten. Yes, it it takes a lot to top Jim Cornette, but Polo, Polo, I, I think did that in spades. He really so did. is absolutely owned it. 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> so when we come back next week, it's the anniversary, which means it's the one year kind of anniversary of the Cultaholic Classic War Review. Yes, actually, in fact, Friday, Jan- Friday, June 28th of this year is the anniversary of us doing our very first show together. Oh, wow. So that's exciting. So who knows who's going to pop up? Next week. Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans all around. Um, yes, yeah, so join us next week for a few surprises. And including a surprise for you, Justin. Oh, really? Yes, really. Can't tell you. It's a nice surprise. Um, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on pins and needles, as Luger would say. <laughs> At JRH Writing, I am at Tom Campbell. We are at Cultaholic on Twitter. 
He is on pins and needles. If I don't go in the rumble, I suppose it's all right. I'm not bothered anyway. I love you, bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.